ready to create the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. We've done it ourselves after leaving careers in law and clinical practice. Like many other professional women, we wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our growing families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other ambitious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You know how much we love to share our favorite books with you here on the podcast. We all love to cozy up with a book and a cup of tea, but the truth is, we're always on the go. That is the absolute truth. And audiobooks have been a really incredible way to keep up with our reading while doing lots of other things in our lives. So driving the kids to school, hiking, taking trips to the dog park, or most importantly, folding laundry. I do not like to waste my time. So listening to an audiobook while I fold laundry makes me feel like I'm doing something important. Sandy, what are you listening to these days? Right now, I am absolutely loving Americana, which is a novel by Chimananda Ngozi Adichie. She was the one who wrote We Should All Be Feminists. That's where I was introduced to her, and I love it. Yeah, that's a good one. And you? I am also reading a novel right now, The Female Persuasion by Meg Wolitzer. And if you have not read this book yet or seen it all over the internet and all over the bookstore, you should definitely download it. It's amazing. You can get The Female Persuasion or Americana or a different audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial over at audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba for your free audiobook. Welcome to the Soulful MBA Podcast, Episode 80, Michelle. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Conry, as well as our guest for today, Dr. Michelle Mazur. Michelle's motto is Insight Action Always, which we tend to agree with, and she's known around the internet as the communication rebel. Michelle has a PhD in communication, and she was actually a university professor prior to starting her own online business. In this episode, we chat with Michelle about her entrepreneurial journey, and then we dive into her unique process for helping brands to craft their three-word rebellion. You're going to learn more about what that means in this episode and also how you can craft one yourself. So without further ado, here is Michelle. Welcome, Michelle, to the podcast. We are so excited to have you here. As one Northwesterner to another, I am particularly excited to learn more about what you're doing in both the online and offline space, as well as to hopefully educate our community a little bit about messaging. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for this conversation. So Michelle, maybe we could just start with your story first. We definitely want to dive into the work that you're currently doing, but could you give us a background about who you are? And I know that you've recently kind of switched focus Mm -hmm. in your business. So can you tell us, you have a PhD in communication. Tell us about that and then how you started your first business. Yes, I have a PhD in communication. And really, that resulted from a love of communication. So my journey into this area started like when I was in high school, 
I was really shy, super awkward, would never like raise my hand and answer a question that was too terrifying. And I had to take this public speaking class. It was like a mandatory requirement. And I'm like, oh no, this is going to be the worst. And it was the worst. I still remember my first speech. I was nervous and my knees were knocking underneath the desk as I was talking and I was sweating and spitting and oh, it was terrible. (laughs) And I got like the gentleman's C in the class and I'm like, okay, that was very nice and kind. And at the same time, I had this voice in my head that was telling me that speaking and communication were very, very important and that I needed to master the skill of speaking. So I did what everyone should do when they suck at something, do it competitively. (laughs) So I joined the speech and debate team and really started cutting my teeth during that time. And I was dedicated. I showed up to coaching sessions and I would go to all these tournaments and I would lose week after week after week. And it was, I mean, yes, I I was very determined and resilient at the same time. But eventually things started clicking and I started improving and getting better. And I really understood like the impact the words that we use have on other people. And so eventually through all of that competitiveness, it ended with a PhD in communication. I was a professor for five years at the University of Hawaii. Being a professor wasn't necessarily for me. It's very, very political. I am very bad at politics. (laughs) And so I ended up you know, quitting the job because it was either go up for tenure or move on. And I just decided I'm going to move on. I didn't want to live in Hawaii anymore and I needed a fresh start. So I ended up here in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle. And I thought about starting a business then and was like, nope, (laughs) I'm not ready. So I went into market research and I was doing research for like Fortune 500 companies like Microsoft, General Mills, And it was not fulfilling because, yeah, you're just doing this research that helps people determine if they get bonuses or not, and there's nothing meaningful in it. And so while I was doing that, I started my first blog, which is was called Relationally Speaking. Terrible name, but it got me out there. And eventually, I realized I could get clients and I could see how it can become a business. And I was, I've been working with speakers for about five years in this capacity. And recently, because of this messaging framework that I've developed, the three word rebellion, I've now started working with businesses on figuring out their message. How are they calling people in? What do they need to talk about on podcasts like this? What stories should they be telling? And that is the direction I'm going. I will probably always work with speakers. I still love developing the message and thinking about the speech itself. But I'm also really excited to work uh, with businesses on their message because messaging is one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your business. 
Can I ask, Michelle, do you work only with businesses or do you work with nonprofits? Or I know politics, you said, is not your game. Do you ever work with political messaging? Not yet. So I have worked with nonprofits before. I wouldn't mind. Like, I am fascinated with politics. And like, when I was five years old, I wanted to be a politician when I grew up. Like, not president, but a politician. (laughs) So I would be open to that possibility in the future working on with political campaigns. But right now, the sweet spot, you know, especially since this is like a new pivot, my sweet spot is definitely working with business owners and entrepreneurs and speakers. I want to hear a little bit about before the pivot and like how the pivot happened. So your business was primarily focused on helping people find speaking gigs and making a living out of it and helping them craft the message and the speech and so on. And then what happened? Why did you need the pivot? Yes, the pivot came about the end December of 2017. I had wrapped a season of my podcast, the Rebel Speaker Podcast. And As I was publishing that last episode, I thought to myself, what am I going to talk about next year? Because I can't do this anymore. I can't just talk about like how to land speaking gigs, how to get paid, how to set your fee. And it's not that those things aren't important. It's they're just like information. They're just tactics and strategies and things that you could Google. And I really didn't feel like the work that I was doing on the podcast, like my work with my clients always felt meaningful. My work on the podcast, not so much. And I'm like, okay, can't do this anymore. Can't. And I started thinking and I was like, well... Why did I get into this business in the first place? And my core belief since I was a sophomore in high school has been that communication changes the world. And I had re- I realized that I had moved so far away from that core belief from my essential why of my business that it was not surprising that this was meaningless work for me. Or, you know, the producing the content was completely meaningless. And, you know, luckily it was Christmas, so I had lots of free time and I started giving it some space. And I'm like, okay, if I want to go back to communication changes the world, how can I do that? And at this time, you know, we see in the United States all of these great social movements rising up. So, you know, we have Me Too and Time's Up and Never Again. And even on the more conservative side, you have Make America Great Again. That is definitely a movement that is happening. And I started reading about social movement theory and how movements get created. And there seem to be these like this two fundamental questions of any movement that's actually going to get traction is what are you moving away from and what are you moving towards? And I'm like, ooh, that's interesting. I wonder if you can like use some of those questions to help people with their messaging. And then I realized that movements and super successful speakers and entrepreneurs had something in common. And what they had in common was three words that really embodied the change they wanted to create in the world. So, you know, like think about Simon Sinek has start with why or Mel Robbins has the five second rule. And then you look at these movements like Make America Great Again or Never Again, Time's Up. They can encapsulate what 
they can encapsulate the change they want to create so clearly that their followers can now be the messenger of their message. And that message then takes on a life of its own. And I was like, well, this is a pretty cool pattern to see. And so I started testing out the framework on my clients because they let me, which is very nice of them. And what I was finding is I could distill people's message to their essence by using this framework. And at this point in time, the framework really didn't have a name yet. Like it was just something I was thinking about. And then I had a lunch with a book coach named Jenny Nash, who is amazing and terrific. And I, she just let me like throw all of my ideas on her. And she was like, ooh, that's super, super interesting, this pattern you're seeing. She's like, that's what your next book should be on. And she's like, you could call it something like the three-word speech. And I was like, ooh, yeah, that's good. And not quite right yet. Like It was in the right direction. And then after I sat with it for a while, it was literally, I mean, my brand is Communication Rebel. It's like right there. And I was like, what if I call this the three-word rebellion? I'm like, Oh, and that felt so expansive and so big and just like really goes back to the core of what I do. I've gone all in on the three word rebellion because I started telling people about it. Like, you know, like, oh, well, this is the framework I'm seeing. I'm calling it the three word rebellion. And they're like, ooh, what's my three word rebellion? I wonder what it is. And because there was the curiosity there, it was like, okay, this has legs. I rolled it out as a webinar, like, about a month after I kind of figured everything out because I needed to get it out there and see if people were resonating with it, what feedback they had. And it's now definitely getting legs. Like I've developed a whole service around it that's a messaging intensive. I use it with my speakers as well as we start developing their core message. I think it's so fascinating. And there Mm -hmm. is this curiosity about it. Like, what's mine? It's like, I need to know what, what, how can I use that? And, and so I'm sure many of our listeners are wondering that. It also seems to me like the dream to have a business and to have three words that encapsulate, you know, succinctly and get people excited. I love how you are framing it around like comparing it to like a social movement. And it's all about action. It's not like, oh, that's nice branding. That's, that's a cute, you know, name. It's yeah. like you want people to react to that three words, those three words and like, join and act and take and buy and subscribe or whatever. It's really action-focused, right? Yes. One of the beliefs in my business is to incite action always, whether you're a speaker or you're a business owner. Every time you open your mouth to speak, it's an opportunity to incite action, to call people in to your business, to the movement that you're creating. So I've always been very action focused. Like I always hated motivational speaking or I want to be an inspirational speaker because there's no there there. Like it feels good for 10 minutes and then you move on with the rest of your life and you soon forget. Whereas when you're changing people, when you're transforming them, when you're allowing them to take 
action, then there's resonance there. There is wanting to belong to something that that person is creating. Can I just ask about the process too? So we went through the worksheet that you have Mm -hmm. on creating this three-word rebellion. And I don't know how often you work with teams or partnerships, but Sandy and I certainly like don't agree on our action words. (laughs) And I just wonder like, like how much, obviously you work closely with clients on this, Mm -hmm. but how much of the three word rebellion is really sort of like literal about what the business does, like what the brand does versus their aspiration, like what their sort of aspirational motivation is for even existing as a business or you know, as a, as a project. And I don't know, maybe you need the context to understand that, but I just like wonder how, like, cause to me, I love mm-hmm. social movements. I love social movement theory. I, like you are speaking my language. I also was in speech and debate. Like we have a lot, I also was a professor. <laughs> we have a lot in common, mm-hmm. but like, I only am in this business for like these very big picture, aspirational, like societal shifting reasons. And it's really hard for me to focus on the nitty gritty parts of, of our company. And so I just like wonder, like, how do you balance that? Like the actual thing that a brand does versus like why they exist in the world? Yeah. And I think it's a little bit different from for everyone. So surprise, surprise, like it, it, it depends. And Honestly, it goes back to thinking about the people that you want in this business that you're creating. Like, what are their challenges? What are their areas of resistance? What is going to resonate with them to raise their hand and say yes? Because that is very much a part of looking at the three-word rebellion. And really, in some cases, the three-word rebellion is just that next action you want people to take or to remember, like, you know, start with why is a great example. Like, we all know that we should, when we're building a business, we should look at our why and use that, right? Like, it's very memorable. It tells us exactly what to do next. And sometimes it's really about the change agent or it's about this whole methodology that is created that you want people to remember. So like, for instance, Sally Hogshead is a great example of like how to fascinate. Three words, easy to remember. And it makes you like, ooh, I want to know how I fascinate other people. Okay. So you should be thinking about it from the lens of what is going to either invoke curiosity about what I'm creating and what I'm doing or what is the clear next step people should take in joining up with this business or with this movement. And is this something, I'm just looking at your your playbook right now, and one of the first questions is, what are you rebelling against? So is this something that you can lead people through or business owners through in the very early stages of their business? Or do they have to be in it for a while to really answer these questions? I think they have to be in it for a while and have some viewpoints about their business and about their industry and about the impact they want to have. Because as a new business owner, you are still looking for product market fit. And it is not a good time to go all in on your messaging because you're not really sure what it's going to be yet or what you're going to actually end up offering or doing in your business. So I think 
having, you know, an established business with a body of work around it, whether you've been doing podcasting or interviews or you're blogging, but you have some established viewpoints because then it makes going into that three-word rebellion framework, it's a lot easier to do the free writing when you already know like what ticks you off about your industry or you're you're getting clearer and clearer about the change you want to create. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of our audience do the same thing, which is teach yoga or teach Pilates or teach something in health and wellness. Can you speak a little bit about how they differentiate themselves? How, if they've been in this for a while, and what can you say to them to help them differentiate their three words? Like, I'm sure some of them are like, well, my three words would be the same as everyone else's three words. Like, how do Mm -hmm. they really bring their personality and style into this? I think it does go back to those viewpoints and getting really clear on the change you want to create through that practice, through the yoga practice, through teaching Pilates. Like, you know, like, what are you hoping that people get from it? And I think that for me is one of the big keys is that you have to start really focusing on that transformation because maybe you're in Pilates, not because you think you want people to have like a super tight body, but there is another reason for you. And that's where you can start thinking about how you differentiate because everybody has a different reason for doing the business that they want to do and the, creating that change for their people. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy-to-use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live stream programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. You can learn more at namastream.com. So what I love, Michelle, is that you have made this playbook available on your website. So anyone can go and download this, which they all should, and go through the process. However, it's not easy to do this on your own. So can you just talk about why it's so hard to sort of find those three words for your own business? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so you can go and get this framework at threewordrebellion.com and do the exercises. And what's going to happen is that you will finish the free writing, you will feel great about the free writing, and then you have to start the analysis process. And that's where the struggle begins. And I believe there's like one giant reason that we can't find our own three words, that we always need help. Because remember, this three-word rebellion came out of a conversation that I had with Jenny Nash. Like she gave me those the three-word speech and I just adapted that. Like, so I can't even do my own messaging effectively. And I do this for other people. And we are just way too close to our message. We are in it day in and day out. And we cannot see sometimes the value of what we do, the importance of what we do, the transformation that we give to other people. And you really need someone else to listen to you, to read through that playbook and to pull out the words that 
they are seeing as important or finding those themes because as experts, we have a tendency to undervalue what we're doing. So, and I think that's why we struggle so much with putting words around what we do. We're just way too close to it to see the value. I'm just wondering, I think this is a really powerful mental shortcut that we can create for people. And then how much does this three-word rebellion need to reflect the daily work of your business? So for example, if you have a blog or if you have a podcast, how important is it that you're tethering what you're doing to these three words? Because I know a lot of us have a lot of things going on. Like in our case, we have three major arms to our company and not everything fits like sort of nice and tidy. So when I think about what our rebellion could be, it's something like overarching Mm -hmm. rather than, than tactical that would fit into one of the three silos. And so I just wonder, I know this is still sort of a new development and a new concept, but if you become known, for example, for this saying, these three words or four words or two Mm -hmm. words, whatever it is, how important is it that everything else you're doing is sort of aligned with those three words? So there's, Mm, Two or three different philosophies I have around this. Number one, I believe you do want it, your three-word rebellion, to be expansive, to, you know, use it as the umbrella which your business like operates under. So there is that, yes, have it as this overarching theme for everything you do. Like I always think about like Danielle Laporte and the desire map, like everything in her business, whether she is selling candles, temporary tattoos, planners, it is all related to desire and how do you want to feel. So it is this big, expansive, overarching thing that fits over everything in their business. And the other philosophy is that when you have something that resonates and takes on a life of its own... It also allows you to move in different directions. So let me explain. So Simon Sinek, start with why. That phrase, we see it everywhere. Coaches use it. Sometimes they don't cite him, which really annoys me, but that's the academic in me. But it's part of our vernacular. It's it's how we talk now. So that message is definitely bigger than him. And what I see him doing in his business and his speaking is that he's still does stuff with start with why, but now he's moving more into leadership, like leaders eat last. So the fact that this message allowed him, like launched his whole career, it has now taken on a life. It's still living and breathing and people are talking about it and buying the book. And it's given him the space to do something else that he's passionate about. So there is still room to pivot, room to grow, as long as you're always comfortable with being known for that thing. You know what seems like, as I'm listening to you talk, it seems like one way to help determine your three words. Like in my in my mind, I'm like, oh, what would I title the our book? Like a book is often three words. And I, I think like just thinking about what would your TED Talk be called or what would your book be called? Because it's hard, at least for, I think that you've created an amazing process. And it's really hard to distill something down to just a few words. It is so hard. And that's why I think a lot of books have three words and then a colon and then mm-hmm. a subtitle, right? Because it's challenging to fit some like the full story into those three words. So I don't know, just if in case others are listening and maybe want 
a, a tool to use to sort of put this in a box and help them think through those words, to me, that would help me to, to clarify what to write down yeah. as, as my words. Yeah, because it, it really should be the message that calls people in and makes them interested yeah. or makes yeah. them curious. Like Mel Robbins' five-second rule. Like when I first found out about Mel Robbins and the five-second rule, I didn't know what it was. And so immediately I Googled it to find out what this five-second rule was. And then I realized she had a book and a TED Talk and all of these things. And I'm like, oh, cool. But her five-second rule did exactly what it needed to do. It didn't give me all the information, but it made me go, ooh, I'm hungry for more. Like, let me search it out and find out what she's all about. That's an interesting example because that doesn't tell you anything about her business. Like there's nothing, I don't know what she's talking about, music or food or I have no idea, but yet it's so effective. And if you had said, Sandy, yours should be the five second rule, I'd be like, Michelle, no, it doesn't, I don't get it. Right. But it's obviously I'm wrong here. It worked really well, but it's so much a part of the curiosity and like what five second rule. Mm Yeah, like is it the five second rule when you drop food on the floor? Yeah. Like you can still eat it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I don't know what this means. So Yeah. <laughs> Michelle, we are gonna go take you through Proust's questionnaire. I'm gonna ask you a series of questions and you're just going to quickly answer whatever pops into your head. Okay. <laughs> I love the guests always have this sort of nervous, like what what look mm. on their face. It makes me happy. <laughs> okay, what is your idea of perfect happiness? Beautiful sunset over the ocean. What is your greatest fear? Heights. Which living person do you most admire? I think Mel Robbins. (laughs) What is your greatest extravagance? Delicious food at like a five-star restaurant. (laughs) Which words or phrases do you most overuse? Can I swear? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Definitely fuck. It's one of my favorite words to use. And like, uh-huh. yeah, use that one a lot. Yeah. Well, and the good thing is most of my clients also are swearers. So sometimes they swear more than I do on calls, which is lovely. And what is the other word? Like I'm trying to think of turns of phrase that I often use. Um, oh, and it's totally escaping me. I don't know. We'll go with fuck for now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Which talent would you most like to have? So my superpower would be teleportation, but I think I'd like to be able to dance. Like I've got no rhythm and coordination. (laughs) If you were to die and come back as a person or a thing, what would it be? That's a really good question. Who do I want to come back as? Definitely not Oprah. I just wouldn't want her life. (laughs) But if I was going to come back as, I think I might come back as a house cat. They live really, at least my cats, live very luxurious lives Mm -hmm. sitting on pillows and eating high quality food and running amok. Who are your favorite writers? Margaret Atwood, for sure. She was probably the most inspirational writer for me growing up. Like The Handmaid's Tale is a book that I've read over and over and over again. And Neil Gaiman, he just creates these amazing worlds that you can dive into. And I'm such a fan of his writing. Okay. And the last one is, what is your motto? Insight action always. Nice. Thank you. That's a great motto. 
Okay, so now we're going to dive into the joy and hustle where we ask you to provide a resource that can bring our audience joy and a tool to help them hustle in their business. A tool? Well, I'm going to start with the hustle because that one's easy. So right now I am reading Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies where she Mm -hmm. talks about how we respond to inner and outer expectations. And taking that quiz and reading that book has really helped me understand what motivates me. Like, for instance, I'm an obliger. So like, I'm always on time for appointments. Like, it takes an act of Congress to make me cancel an appointment or move an appointment. Like, there has to be something really wrong with me. So knowing that and being able to put more accountability into my life and a tool that brings me joy... I always go, so... can be a book, a movie, anything, anything at all. Mm. That's something that makes you really happy that other people can also experience. Yeah. So (laughs) the thing that pops into my head is I love good storytelling. I love, you know, excellent television, which we are living in the golden age of. So one thing that makes me really joyful and happy is Game of Thrones, which sounds so strange because... (laughs) It is a super dark show. Not to me. Not to me. But I just enjoy it so much. I enjoy the stories. I enjoy the mystery. I enjoy the dragons and the powerful women in it. So, yes, the powerful women. And at the same time, Westworld is really great as well because it has an amazing story and women who just kick ass. So those would be my two choices. I am all over that, Michelle. I get it. (laughs) Jenny's like, what? But I'm with you there. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. Love that. All right. Thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure to chat with you. Super eye-opening. And thank you for all the work that you've done. We appreciate your time. Oh, you are so welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Michelle. We will see you all on Wednesday for another episode. Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba slash teacher to sign up. It's totally free.